Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. In your company, a challenge? Are you battling turnover and struggling to draw key talent? Is your team not performing at the level you want? Problems present themselves through conflict, miscommunication, creative differences, unclear expectations, and motivational issues. ARC Integrated is here to address these challenges through executive coaching and customized interactive trainings. Create lasting positive change that will improve your bottom line and create a culture that attracts talent and reduces turnover by going to arcintegrated.com. That's arcintegrated.com. How does an economy that is more mindful and less mindless become a reality? Welcome to the Mindful Marketplace. I'm your host, Joel Skeen, and I'm happy to welcome you to the show where we ask experts, entrepreneurs, investors, and industry leaders for their perspectives on how all of us can, on every level, do our part to help create a more mindful marketplace. Man, I'm excited about today's guests. We have on Bunny Eaton and Ben Loomis, who are local uh Carolina entrepreneurs and owners of the Curio Machine, and they are doing some really interesting and unique things that I'm excited to get to share with all of you. But before we get into that, as always, we got to hit the balance sheet, assets, liabilities, investments, and debts. All right, assets. First in the assets column, I want to talk about some natural resources today. Um, and the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources will is planning to restore seven acres of salt marsh over the next four years, which they announced just recently. Um, the Natural Resources Department was awarded a $1.5 million grant by the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation to continue the work on Old Town Creek in West Ashley. Officials say that the money will go towards planting salt marsh grasses and reconstructing oyster reefs. This will be a unique project using novel nature-based solutions to restore the degraded tidal marsh in the historically significant part of the low country. Officials say that marshes have degraded over a severe drought all the way back in 2012, along with another drought event in 2016. Researchers say that the area has not fully recovered uh, naturally, like other areas with similar conditions, and biologists within the agency say that they have been constructing living shorelines for two decades using recycled oyster shells to attract young oysters that grow into the reefs that filter waterways, become fish habitats, and prevent shoreline erosion. All right, in the liabilities column, I'm going to talk up a little bit about mergers. I got to learn a little bit about um, mergers and the history of mergers from author Matt Stoller recently. And he writes that while mergers seem like uh, the way of the world today, it wasn't always the case. Prior to the 1980s, mergers were not very common or important, and people were fairly surprised when they happened. In fact, the first modern hostile takeover attempt was back in 1974, and it caused a shock on Wall Street. At that time, such things just simply were not done. Even into the later part of that decade, unfriendly mergers were understood as immoral. Up into the 1970s, businesses were understood as social institutions designed to profit by adding something of value to the world. That was the function of laws that prohibited most mergers. But because of law changes that happened in the 80s um, and a rewrite of the merger law, a merger a merger waves of mergers have characterized the American economy ever since. The culture in turn moved to accept um, predation as just the way things work. Hopefully, 
as the FTC and the DOJ push back on mergers, this attitude will change. And one day we won't argue over about merger law. We'll simply wonder, totally mystified, how anyone could ever have let so many destructive mergers happen. In the debts column, now you've probably heard that the federal government is planning to give student loan forgiveness of about $10,000 for most Americans with student debt. Some see this move as a little too little, too late, but there's others that are calling it a handout. But to me, no matter where you stand on that, if you have student debt, you're probably eligible to receive this $10,000 in loan forgiveness. The thing is, some student loan companies, including a large one, Navient, see this as an opportunity to make more money off you while making you ineligible for that loan forgiveness. Lenders have been emailing borrowers about their options to refinance their federal debt into a private servicer. This could get them a lower interest rate, but it would make them ineligible for the federal debt relief. A Navient spokesperson pointed um, to the fine print in the email, which disclosed that borrowers could be at risk of losing federal benefits, like the student loan forgiveness if they refinance. And the spokesperson said that for a number of years, we have reached out to prospective borrowers about their options to refinance to lower rates with, um, with our refi program. But the timing is highly suspicious since these emails are coming at a time of confusion following the debt cancellation announcement. I personally worry the communication could be predatory and steer borrowers into financial situations that are not the best option. So before you make any changes to your loans, make sure that you read all the fine print. And while we're on the subject of debt, uh, just a reminder that the average American household spends 34% of their gross income on the interest on their debt. One of the biggest problems for most families who are trying to get out of debt is a lack of education about how best to do it. There are several strategies that have existed for decades that can get you out of debt faster and more efficiently without spending any additional money. And that's why I offer free education on how you can get debt free at my website. So go to mindfulmarketplaceshow.com and click on the button that says eliminate debt to learn more. Lastly, in the investments column, We've talked before about how investing your money with your values, after all, is what we invest in. We get more of. A lot of that discussion right now is happening among investment in public markets. But private equity firms are pumping billions of dollars into dirty energy projects, which are exposing investors, including pensioners, to unknown financial risk as environmental catastrophe looms and governments face escalating pressure to act. A new climate risk scorecard ranks the private equity firms of Carlyle Group, Warburg Pincus, and KKR as the worst offenders among eight major private equity companies with significant fossil fuel portfolios. All three continue to invest heavily in greenhouse gas emitting projects with no adequate plan on transitioning away from oil and gas. According to the analysis by two financial watchdog nonprofits, Um, The firms also have scant transparency on political and climate lobbying. The eight firms on the scorecard managed a combined $3.6 trillion in assets, including about $216 billion in energy projects, an amount equivalent to the fossil fuel financing by the world's five biggest banks last year. All right, that is the balance sheet. So now let's get into our conversation with some local entrepreneurs who have a really interesting startup that I think is really cool and worth highlighting. 
Um, so I'm going to let them tell you guys about it. Uh, please help me welcome Ben Loomis and Bunny Eaton from Curio Machine. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello, hello, Joel. Thanks for having us. Good, good. Glad to have you on, Ben and Bunny. Um, so first, I want to I, I want to get into your guys' story and you know why it is you're doing what you're doing. But first, I um, you know, I got to see your presentation recently where you presented on what exactly Curio Machine is and how it works and how you guys are really changing and growing the distribution of local art in the region. So yeah, um, I'd love to hear from both of you on a little bit about what Curio Machine is. Sure. Do you want to go ahead, Bunny? Yeah. So we actually started this business when Ben was living in Portland. Um, We went out one evening to a bar that Ben was kind of a big fan of and saw a vending machine in there that was selling local art. And we thought it was a really cool idea and decided that it might not be a bad call to bring that back down to Western North Carolina, which is where we're based. Yeah, that's right. So that was uh, uh, at the end of 2019 and we got started uh, basically right when COVID was, was getting started too. Um, we first went with coin operated machines, which we still operate selling stickers and prints. And then by the end of the year, we had made enough money that we were purchasing our first full sized, uh, snack style vending machines. So that's what we primarily focus on now. And we take, uh, the, you know, the traditional vending machine you're used to seeing and we transform them with beautiful art on the outside and then, uh, creative games and novelties and prints and, uh, just about anything you can think of from local creators on the inside. So we've gotten eight of those out so far and should have 10 out by the end of the year. You know, I think what I think is so cool, I've heard a lot of people talk about using vending machines as a way to get into the entrepreneurship game. You know, they've got a lower um, overhead than opening up a brick and mortar, obviously. And, you know, there's some benefits to that. But I think usually when people think about a, a vending machine and what they get at it, they're usually thinking, like you guys said, about snacks, you know, kind of about those um, things that usually are not very good for us. <laughs> Sometimes they are maybe. But I guess, what was it that made you guys decide that art was the route to go? Well, we're, we're artists in and of ourselves. So I'm a visual artist. And my full-time job is an art teacher. Ben is an author. Um, so we, you know, we, we wanted this to be a way kind of selfishly for us to promote our own art and to create our own economy where we could actually make a living doing what we love to do. Oh, you'll have to forgive that. I'm still at school. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned you're an art teacher, buddy, yeah. right? You're actually recording this from your your art classroom, if I'm if I'm correct, right? You are correct. I am end of the day uh, recording this from my art classroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ben, anything to add to that? Yeah, like what Bunny was saying, and um, you know, we wanted to get our own work out there. That's always a struggle when you're, you know, a creative trying to trying to, you know, make make a living from your work. But then, you know, really, the question just became why why not? Like, why haven't other people done this before? Is there anything we're missing that's like physically limiting us from dispensing things besides snacks in this machine? And it turns out, no. As long as it fits in the slot it will drop out of the machine. You know, we have to do a little work to make sure it falls smooth and all that. But that means that it there's all this untapped opportunity 
um, with the, like you were saying, the low cost overhead of vending machines combined with a higher tier of prices for the kind of products we can sell in a much wider and more creative and more fun to operate variety, I think. Yeah, it's, I think it's kind of a myth that uh, artists cannot make their a living in today's day and age. I think it's a matter of how. I think you really do have to literally get quite creative with it. And for us, that meant creating our own business so that we could do that and to support other people. I, I think it's totally viable to be a full-time artist or to, to at least supplement your income with your, your art if you know the right way to do it. And for us, that's been small functional, low-cost items that are readily accessible in places that you wouldn't usually see art. Yeah, I want to first ask from the from the customer side of things, you know, Ben, you mentioned this being sort of a fun experience. What kind of feedback have you guys gotten from the people who have, who have purchased art through your machines? Yeah, so we uh, get a lot of feedback saying, you know, this is just such a great idea. We've had um, you know, uh, several of our venues came to us once they saw what we were doing, asking for our uh, machines in their locations, several even from, you know, states that we're nowhere near ready to deploy in. Uh, so we, you know, see the the model being more universal than just even Western North Carolina in its appeal. Uh, you know, we get a lot of suggestions um, from from people that we try to take to heart, and we really welcome those because we want to, you know, gr- adjust what we're, uh, you know, stocking in the machine to the actual customer base in each different venue that we work with. But, um, yeah, generally a lot of just positive feedback and more creative ideas. Yeah, and you mentioned that you guys have some of your own art in these machines, but you also mentioned in your presentation, I remember, that you've partnered with a lot of local artists. Is that right? That's right. Um, About a dozen or more uh, artists in our typical arrangement. So we buy wholesale from uh, local artists and then stock their items, make our profit. And if they sell well and quickly, then we like to stock them again, you know, so we can kind of create a loop and some sustainable uh income you know month after month for the artist and the big thing is like the part that is really annoying about being an artist is when you have to turn around and market yourself because that takes you away from doing that um and so we kind of done that first like we know where the art that we get is going to be sold and how it's going to be sold the vending machine platform does that for us so we can focus and tell other artists they can just focus on creating and just let us know you know, when we're when we'll, we'll let each other know when we're ready to place another order. Yeah, I think the art is kind of first and foremost in our machines because it's the most, I think, interesting part of our machines is the locally created art. Um, yeah, we're looking we're looking for more of that now too. Uh, we're really so since we've expanded to two cities, uh, Asheville and Charlotte, after starting in Boone. Um, we don't have as deep of connections to the local art scene in those new places for us. So right now we're looking for local artists who have uh, goods that may fit well in our in our vending slots. Uh, and if you just email us at curiomachine at gmail.com, then we can send you all the information there. Yeah, our, our vending machines are pretty much art collectives in and of themselves. So yeah. we're always, always happy to have new artists to join to our, our repertoire. Yeah, that's neat. The idea of an art collective kind of in a in a box <laughs> that you can you can choose from there. How do you guys, you know, where it, cuz it, it would seem to me that the placement of these machines would be important. 
And I really loved what you all talked about, about how you're creating that experience for the specific locations that you're partnering with. Could you tell us a little bit about what that's like and how you've, how you've chosen where you want your machines to go and how you have them fit into the environment that they're in? Yeah, I'll start us off here. So vending, our art vending machines do best in places where we're the only thing uh, offering what we do. So we do very well in coffee shops and bars and breweries and other places where retail is not necessarily the first and foremost thing that you would expect to find. Um, and we provide a, a different kind of retail, a non-traditional kind of retail that catches the eye. Ben, could right. elaborate a little bit on that one? That's right. So uh, a, a really important part of it, too, is we try to work within the aesthetic of the venue so that the uh, the vending machine both blends in but also jumps out. You know, it's something new. It's like an extension of the art they are already featuring and doing so that uh, um, it kind of wraps around you when uh, you're looking at it and it feels natural and in place but still eye-catching. And that's all uh, Bunny's work. You know, Bunny is a very accomplished uh, large large-scale visual artist. So she does all of our outside machine murals, most of our packaging design, um, and does independent murals as, as well that are really boss. Um, so that's a huge part of it. And then just, you know, volume, like any business, we're going to do better uh, where there's a lot of tourist uh, flow through. So we, we uh, use those as our considerations. Yeah, high traffic, high volume, and of course the machines themselves are a work of art. So all of that is a pretty good recipe for success. Yeah, I love that. When so you guys have grown, you guys are still in the early stages of your business from what it what it seems like to me. How how much have you guys expanded so far and what do you see as the future and where where is where is Curio Machine going? Well, um, we are kind of at the end of our current phase of business, which is get our initial fleet and our initial footprint of cities in Western North Carolina deployed. That's going to be when we hit 10 machines by the end of the year. That's our, our current brass ring that we're reaching for. But um, one other thing, one other bit of feedback we've gotten is from our friends and you know people our own age in a similar situation of trying to like figure out how to make a living out here um and they want to know how do i do what you're doing in in my city because nobody's doing the creative vending machine thing so our next focus is really looking at how we you know we're considering a lot of different models of how we can help um versions of our business get started in other communities managed by and owned by both uh uh parties the you know our, our representative on the ground with with curio invested in the success of the business as well so that's kind of where we're going um and i think you'll see us just grow outward from western north carolina from here yeah no i i can tell that you guys are on the up and up just uh based on just kind of talking to you and where you're going you can see the passion and the vision there i'm curious though because have either of you been entrepreneurs or started your own business prior to this, or is this the first time? Oh, this is like number like four or five for me. The rest all like crash and burned. They were not good. This is my <laughs> first. This is my first business. Uh, I kind of lucked yeah, out. Bunny's perfect. I? Bunny's perfect, by the way. 
but I'm also younger. I'm only 25. So uh, Ben has just a couple more years of uh, trying different things. Out than I have. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> failure. You know. But, well, I, I mean, personally, I'm, I'm a big fan of failure because I think that, you know, you, you, you don't you either win or you learn, you know, I guess. So, Ben, maybe let's, let's talk. What what have you learned that you're applying to this business? Um, you know, what what do you feel like is is making what have you learned the most that you're applying moving forward here? Well, I can, you know, really um, the team is is really all it makes a huge difference because I don't, I mean, I believe still, I think some of the ideas that I, uh, you know, went into to try to turn into real businesses, I still think they like theoretically work, but it didn't work on the ground because, you know, people's varying levels of commitment and energy and focus on those things um, made it more of a drag than a, a, you know, a float like what we got going here. So um, I really give credit to Bunny uh, kind of taking me seriously when I half drunkenly suggested that we start a vending machine business. She, she was like, okay, she took me at face value and we've been, you know, texting about it like every day since. So that, you know, uh, the people first and foremost, more so than like the killer app idea, it's like finding who you can work with. Um, but I did meet Bunny through the pr- most previous failed business. So it wasn't a complete failure. You know, uh, we, we got somewhere from it all. Um, yeah, you know, you just really, it's hard to get the work done when no one's getting paid, right? So it has to be a passion project, like a deep passion project of more than one person I see to like get a business going with your bootstrap in it like we have. Yeah, I think for me, a big part of the kind of the beginning of our business was like almost built out of desperation and survival. Like, I, I really have to emphasize we were early 2020, like COVID shut down. I'm buying $25 coin operated machines off of Facebook marketplace, trying to figure out how I could possibly make a career being an artist, especially during like a time like in COVID where galleries were shut. Uh, that was before you were a teacher too. So you hadn't figured that much out even. Yeah, it was, it was an overwhelming time. So I, I really think that we, kind of struggled our way through the early stages of our business. And it wasn't really until we got our first full-size machine that we really fully understood the potential that our business had. And once we realized it, I don't think we slowed down. I think it's really been a, an ambition, a very mutual like ambition for the two of us ever since. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, sorry. Do you guys have, you know, how, how have you, you know, Bunny, you mentioned this being your very first time in business, I guess, how have, is there anything that you could impart to someone who maybe wants to be an entrepreneur, maybe wants to do something with their art? Um, do you have anything that you've learned over the last year, couple of years of doing this that you would tell someone in that position? Like, Effort. Effort is everything. Um, just, just it, it takes a supreme amount of work before you could even begin to see any amount of payoff. I mean, I, I think that especially for us, it, it took a lot of us building each other up just as friends and as individuals before we could even um, 
like it took like two or three machines for us to, I, we have a lot of imposter syndrome, right? It took several machines for us to be like, are we on the right track? Are we doing exactly what we need to do? You just have to keep believing in what you're doing and realize that even the work that you're, the early work, the work that you don't think matters, it will matter in the long run. You just have to trust in the process. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, when you plant seeds, you know, they don't usually start sprouting right away. <laughs> and I've definitely seen that in my business. And I see that with you guys. And I, I see I see what appears from the outside, at least to see some of those, those, um, some of that growth and some of those, um, those sprouts starting to happen. And I'm just, I'm just personally excited to get to watch the Curio machine grow. Um, and I feel, I feel uh, fortunate that I got to see you guys in such an early stage because I can tell that this is going to be something pretty big. Um, it's just such a fun experience. It's such a, such a unique way of going about getting um, something that people love, but that usually people don't go out of their way to buy. And usually a lot of times people think they need to spend, you know, way too much money in order to get some art and to be able to get some at a price point that is local, that is um, supporting a local business as well as local artists. I just, I love it. Love the whole thing. Yeah. It's a creative vending revolution. That's what we That's call right. it. <laughs> yeah. And we love what you're doing too, Joel. The mindful marketplace is a great direction to go in. We'd love to come back and talk anytime. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, where can people best connect with you guys and find out the locations that you're in and where you're growing and all of that? Right. So all of our locations are listed on the front page of our website, the curiomachine.com. Uh, and you can also find us on Instagram at Instagram slash the curio machine. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for your time today. And uh, for those of you listening, if you want to listen to this episode or other episodes, as well as, like I've said before, we have so many great um, Western North Carolina hosts here at Biz Radio. So go to bizradio.us, click on the shows tab. You can also go to mindfulmarketplaceshow.com. All right. Thank you guys so much for being on. Hope you all have a great rest of your day. Take care of yourselves and take care of someone else. Thank you so much, Joel. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.